What if that nagging feeling in the back of your neck was real? What if those hands reaching out from the dark that you believed were there, were there? What if the monster in the basement really existed? And what if there was really something under the bed? Would you have the courage to face your fears? Hello, brave souls. I'm your host, Paul Rondeau, and today we have a Let's Not Meet story called He Will Be Out Soon, written by ManicMaster623. A few years ago, I was working at a pizza chain in my hometown as a driver. I was 27, but made darn good money delivering. I had worked at a few other places, both local and chain in the years before, and still work as a dasher on occasion, even after this happened. Now, I choose to deliver in much safer areas for this reason. I got luckier than I could ever imagine. One night, I was working and had a double, two deliveries to take. Both were cash orders. I had $12 left in my bank, which is what drivers are given to use as change for cash orders so you don't have a ton of cash in you at all times. The first order went smoothly. The guy gave me 50 for a $35 order, so I was excited about the nice tip. I drove to the second delivery. It was at an apartment complex with multiple buildings. I had delivered there before. The sun was about to set, but it was still very light out. The chain I worked at had us drive company cars with the logo on it, all white sedans. This is important. I grab the order and go to the door to the apartment building. A young guy comes out, and a much bigger, older guy was outside smoking a cigarette. The big guy went inside as the smaller guy came out. He looked around nervously, and asked how much he owed me. The way he looked around just made me very nervous. The hairs on the back of my neck stood on end. I told him the amount, and he said that wasn't what he was told on the phone. Something was very wrong. I felt someone else walk out behind me from the door, as the first young guy looked around down the parking lot, craning his neck, as if he was looking for someone. I told him the amount again, and broke down the order for him, trying to keep calm. Then the first guy held the gun to my right temple, I also felt a poke in my spine. Two gunmen. I couldn't speak. Words wouldn't form no matter how hard I tried. Give me your money now and keys. Now! The first guy growled, and I fumbled immediately for the keys. I gave him my bank, but hadn't realized the 50 was mixed in. I gave him the keys, trying my best to remain calm. Another guy came to my left. He had poofy hair and was around the same age as the first kid. The one behind me I hadn't seen yet. The big hair kid grabbed my pizza bag and ran off and hid. The first kid searched the company car. Luckily, I had left my wallet in my personal car. I saw him grab my cell phone. That's when the panic began to set in. I had pictures on that phone that I hadn't backed up of my five-year-old son, who absolutely is my world. Please, please don't take that. I have pictures of my son who died on there. It's all I have of him, please. I lied. My son is very much alive. The kid behind me spoke softly. Trust me, just listen to him. You'll get it back undamaged. I don't want to be here either. I could tell he'd been crying by how his voice sounded. A car began pulling in and the three boys took off to the other end of the complex in a full sprint. Before the one behind me ran, he dropped the gun in front of me. Standard issue 9mm silver and black. Safety off. Looked completely real to me. He picked it back up and ran with the others. The car that pulled in saw me. There was a woman and her kid. Panic set in as I realized they could easily come back and do way worse to me as the sky started to get dark. 
I collapsed. They had taken my company keys, $72, the pizza, and my phone. The woman ran up to me and asked if I was alright. She took me into her apartment in the next building over and locked the door. I was shaking so hard I couldn't even hold her phone to talk to 911 as she set down her kid. Her boyfriend, I assumed, helped me call. I spoke to the operator and told her everything. I'm colorblind and these guys were obviously wearing all black and white clothes, thank God. I had a full description of two of them. The poor woman who helped me was going to be late for work, but she still stayed until I was off the phone and cops had shown up. Man, she was harsh and blunt with the operator, but I will never forget this woman's utter kindness to me and her boyfriend's. Cops showed up and contacted my store and my manager brought over the spare keys for me to drive the car back to the store. After dealing with the cops, I drove back and was greeted by crying and beyond worried co-workers. All of them were terrified that I was hurt. It meant a lot to me how much they cared, but I told them I was fine. I filed the proper paperwork, and the 72 was written off as a loss to the store. Thank God, because I had worked other stores that make you pay back the money out of pocket if you get robbed to prevent drivers from stealing. I was told by the owner to take the rest of the night off and take care of myself. He gave me a hug. He was to this day one of the best bosses I ever had. What I didn't know was I was in for a very long night. I called my best friend before I left the store from the store phone and asked where he was. He usually meets up for the drinks after work. He was around the corner at a bar, so I met up with him. His dad was a District 4 cop in the city at the time, the same district this happened in. He told me his dad had given a heads up and he had two shots waiting for me to calm my nerves. After the shots, we began playing pool when his dad called his phone and asked if I was with him yet. He said yeah and handed me the phone. His dad asked if I could come to the station. I was honest and told him I had two shots, so he sent out a squad car to get me since it wasn't that far away. We get to the station. They had suspects in custody. I was needed to ID them. Three boys and a driver. They had been caught less than 20 minutes after the robbery, speeding. The bolo had already gone out, and they matched the description. They had used the money to buy weed and gas, and had taken off. They had at least 15 stolen cell phones on them. The order had been placed on a stolen phone. My phone was in the mix in the box. The police told me to grab my phone only, and I did. They asked me to unlock it. It had fingerprint verification, so that was easy. Nine of the ten tries to unlock it had already been used before my phone would have been completely reset. It unlocked. I told the police every detail yet again, although my parental instinct kicked in. I told them the guy behind me quite obviously was bullied into this and to show mercy. He was the one with the white shirt. Police went wide-eyed and told me he was the one talking. The other three denied involvement. That's when I found out about the fourth guy, the driver. He found out later he was completely unaware of the robbery and was just picking up his friends. He was never charged. The boy who was behind me and the one who grabbed the pizza were 15 and 16 and got six months of house arrest. The only reason the one behind me got off easy despite having the gun to my back was because I asked him to go easy on him and he was a good kid who didn't want to be there. And he was the only one confessing. Makes sense since he even said the other guy wouldn't have the phone for long. He was planning on going to the cops had they not been caught. But the other guy, the first kid who got the gun to my temple, it was his 18th birthday. He got the book thrown at him. In the courtroom, he made fun of me and was laughing at me. Seeing him made me panic. The judge scolded him for his behavior, and he just grinned and glared at me with a joker-like grin. All I could see was pure evil. This kid will commit more crimes. I have no doubt he will eventually end someone's life. 
You can see how cold he is just by looking in his eyes. He's evil incarnate. I grew up in a town full of murderers and abusers. I had never seen this kind of evil in my life, and I never want to see it again. I asked to have my name stricken from the records and asked to remain anonymous in case he ever got out. I'm so glad I did, because today I got a letter from the state. He's being released in February. The court only had my old address, my parents' house. My mom didn't think the letter was important. I missed the deadline to protest his release for probation. The plea deal was eight years. It's only been four. He's getting out early due to overcrowding. Not good behavior. Overcrowding. This coming February, and I'm ready if he finds me. My wife, my parents, everyone I know knows his face and name. If he tries anything, we are all ready. But for his sake, let's not meet. To the woman and her family who helped me, I was a woman then. I am trans. If you see this, please know my undying gratitude for you all. It was inconvenient for you, and yet you still were late to work to help me, and I cannot thank you enough. I bought Christmas presents for your daughter, but when I went to the landlord to find you, you had moved. I didn't want to be a creep and stalk your new place, but I'm glad you got out of that bad neighborhood, and I hope your beautiful baby girl is doing well too. I would gladly meet you again to give you the proper thanks you deserve. From the Domino Driver in Southwest Ohio. I know this is a let's not meet story, but Jesus Christ, that sounds like something straight off of no sleep. <laughs> like, that's a pretty crazy story if that actually happened. And, uh, yeah, let's, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> that's way too much. Um, but I hope you enjoyed the story. Come back tomorrow for some more scary stories. And as always, remember to face your fears.